Hi, I'm your host, Alan Cowley, and today's Investor Investor podcast, I have Simon Bond, who is the Innovation Director for SetSquared. Simon is an experienced Director of Business Incubation, University Enterprise and Research Commercialization, specializing in business development strategies for innovation-intensive companies. Amongst his flurry of expertise is his current role for SetSquared, which is the award-winning enterprise partnership of the universities of Bath, Bristol, Exeter, Southampton, and Surrey. And we will hear a lot more about SetSquared in this podcast. But Simon, let's start with with the question, were you, all, were you always destined for the startup world? What's your background? Oh, well, thanks, Alan. Yes, I, I believe I was. I was always destined for, for business, my, my, my family. Um, uh, has always run their own businesses. And uh, so coming out into the workplace in the 1980s, um, I didn't know it then, but I identified the, uh, the, the growth market opportunity, which is, uh, of course, telecommunications and technology. Um, and uh, uh, many of us who were in tech in, in the 80s and then going into the 1990s uh, were working in very innovative uh, businesses, many of them multinational, uh, but not all of them. Um, we didn't realize that uh, you know it was a startup scene and venture capital was very very young at that time but um you know i was i was blooded in that um in that world uh and i was delighted after working for some very big startups and running some startups of my own to get a chance to work for the universities and work for set squared which was leading the way um really since 2002 in developing a very uh, exciting a niche, but still a very exciting and huge potential niche of startups related to UK universities. Um, okay, before we go on to Set Squared, um, let's just have a let's have a, um, a d- dive into your own startup ventures. What what businesses have you set up in the past? Then? Well, I had a, I had a couple of publishing uh, businesses. Uh, I, the, the one I, I, I love uh, remembering was a antique uh, toys, dolls, and teddy bears magazine uh, that I launched with my dad, um, just as a, in the, the, the twilight years of my my students, uh, which uh, was a, a moderate success. It was a successful bonding with my father more than a business venture, <laughs> but uh, that was a very firm grounding. Uh, but the one I found very interesting, particularly. Um, with what I did uh, later was a, a, a startup business called City Television. And this was pre-digital television, if you can imagine, imagine such a time. And uh, the government was um, selling uh, licenses for analog TV stations that could be launched uh, city by city. Um, and the play was to uh, write a business plan, uh, bid for these uh, licenses, aggregate them together, uh, and build a, a network of city television stations, analog TV stations. Um, and I founded that business. It was the idea of a, of a friend of mine and I's, and uh, we raised business angel uh, investment. Um, I remember receiving the fax with the confirmation <laughs> of £100,000 coming into the business at the time that really got us going. And um, we uh, we managed to uh, get it operating. So I was the proud owner of Taunton TV for um, a year or so. Um, and uh, the highlight of which was the breakfast show where uh, we had uh, somebody putting ferrets down their trousers by way of entertainment. <laughs> uh, but 
it was, uh, you know, uh, it, there was a, a great demand, local media at the, the time, um, and we were able to sell the business onto a, onto a larger uh, concern that was looking to aggregate these local licenses um, across, uh, across the UK. Um, and we did, you know, pretty well um, out of the, the whole deal. Uh, and I think that uh, the risk of founding, the thrill of early investment, the, the business of managing partners, um, building up to a, uh, a critical mass where the enterprise has some value beyond your own um, belief in it, and then uh, making a sale at what we thought was the right time. Uh, that was a, a great experience uh, for me, and I, I don't think uh, those those lessons. And there were some great times, and there were some awful times doing that. None of those lessons have ever left me. That, that's so. Sorry, what year was this in then? You were raising a hundred grand. Oh, that would it, it would have been nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, just 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 uh, nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, that kind of period. Oh, that's brilliant. And then you managed to sell into the <laughs> dot com boom. Well, hundred thousand well. pounds was a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was. It was. No, that's impressive. Um, so, so that, actually, let's just talk about the exit there because we can talk about exits. Um, how you how you look at a Sesco mm. point of view, but what about your own exit and and how was that process for you and and how do you think you learned from it? I. Uh, it... It, uh, I, uh, as, as history says, you know, I, I had to carry on working afterwards. I, I, I did, uh, so it wasn't a completely life-changing event, although, you know, I did uh, really, really fine out of the exit. So I've got to say that. Um, but it was, um, you know, people pay for um, MBAs. And this, this uh, I was being paid to get uh, an extreme entrepreneurial business, uh, uh, business administration experience. So um, I love talking about this. So I had, a, I had a, a two business partners. Um, uh, one guy I'm going to call M, the other one called D. Um, I founded the business with D. Um, and M was the business angel investor. Uh, he was an older guy than me, um, Turkish actually, and he'd uh, had uh, family businesses in Turkey, uh, experienced in everything from running carpet manufacturing businesses to um, intellectual property around the uh, developing of date palms, so genetic, uh, genetic engineering for date palms in, in, in Africa. So really experienced guy. So he... Um, uh, D left the business. Um, we, were, we were running low on cash at one point. M uh, offered some additional loans to the company to keep us afloat, which uh, we accepted. There was some dilution there that uh, uh, prompted D to leave the company. So it ended up with M and I um, building building the business. And I say that was that was very tough. Uh, the low point there was having to do um, some pretty hardcore creditor renegotiations. Uh, but a high point um, as the uh, the business of local analog television stations started to kind of pop up in the in the in the market. It was being talked about at the Edinburgh TV Festival, discussed in the trade magazines, and so forth. Um, we started to get interest from um, several um, bigger fish, really larger organisations, often more mature media organisations, some in local papers as well as uh, in, in uh, TV, who are interested in. Uh, understanding how we're doing, but clearly with the intent of um, of looking to acquire us along with several other businesses um, in order to aggregate the sector. Um, now, Murat uh, was, sorry, so M was very uh, astute in um, eking out our cash because uh, I think he'd spotted that uh, there was a good negotiation to be had here, but we couldn't predict how long that would take. Um, 
It took about, you know, the best part of a year. In that time, we had to run a television station with lots of uh, bright young people, um, spending money on producing content and all of these sorts of things. But it was uh, it was taking up money. We were burning cash. Um, but it came down to a couple of potential um, buyers um, who uh, we engaged in, in discussions with. Um, and uh, long story short, one offered us a glittering opportunity of folding our business into a much bigger play, um, a national network of city television stations um, that uh, they intended to float on the stock exchange. I had previous experience in this. It, it looked really pretty fantastic. And the other was still pretty good, but it was a, it was a, a privately owned business. Um, um, and uh, they were offering us cash for shares and there in, you know, in, the, in the terms of the deal as we got close to it, really their, their absolute concern was that we were out of the business without any um, any uh, any recall to the business or involvement at all. Yeah. Um, and Europe guided me with this. I mean, I, I must say, I, I did look at this and thought, oh, wouldn't it be great to work for a national TV uh, network and, and have a, a small piece of such a big pie? Um, but he did counsel me, and uh, we settled for the cash. Um, and I don't know, it could have, what history would have been if, if the world was a different place, but the, um, the, uh, the big play came to nothing. Um, the company that bought our business for cash, uh, which I did you know, really well out of, um, was closed within a couple of years. It was eclipsed by the digital um, revolution. And I always look back on um, on those days with Murat, the, the, the tough times where you know, he, uh, he helped me to, to, to renegotiate with creditors and the good times where he helped me to exit selling my shares for cash because that was the right thing to do. Um, and I'd never, you know, those those uh, immortal words that cash is king, gives you choices, um, are what I learned hard um, in, in that, that situation. Taunton TV. So I'm presuming uh, one of the factors which you got involved in the University of Bath and, and Set Squared was location. But why else? Or how, what else kind of attracted you to it? Yeah, so uh, I, I, I was attracted by um, the job. Uh, because I, I happened to be um, uh, living in Bath after 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 the selling uh, city television, um, and uh, I was interested. It was a, it, those, uh, those those times were were um, you know, quite extraordinary. Um, all times are extraordinary, but those were extraordinary times. So um, I started in um, in in September. 2003. Um, if I go back the preceding years, while we were building City Television, I was involved in the international telecoms business, and um, I remember uh, going to uh, the Geneva Telecoms show in 1999. I was uh, working with um, uh, some American lawyers uh, who were involved in European telecoms deregulation, and it was a, a lavish affair. I think we went to see BB King play for entertainment. Exhibition stands were routinely costing five million dollars. A pop, extraordinary. You know, within um, within a dozen months or so, certainly eighteen months, uh, that business had absolutely uh, been been displaced. Um, uh, you could see the seeds of um, of the future. Um, the the oversupply of capacity to networks caused the, the telecoms crash. There, new um, incumbents were beginning to. Uh, 
emerge. I mean, this was still pre-iPhone at that time, but I, uh, I did do a little bit of work for a, a small um, Chinese telecommunications manufacturer, uh, which is over the in the badlands of Shenzhen called Huawei at the time. And you could see um, new um, models for um, kind of uh, leapfrog technology being deployed globally um, to, to, to provide um, what people want, what the people demanded, which was bandwidth access to, 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 to Wi-Fi. Um, and uh, in this environment, I, I could see lots of uh, telecoms startups beginning to uh, spring up um, all around. My, uh, you know, this is before I was involved with government and all of those sorts of things. So my happy hunting ground between London, up the M4 corridor, um, through uh, Reading and the Vodafone campus uh, into Swindon with the microelectronics semiconductors there and Bristol, which is you know uh, uh, always been a, a great heartland for um, for, for electronics. So I just knew a lot of people who were um, in corporates looking to get out to start businesses. Uh, recently, out of corporates looking to uh, sell um, new technology to, to 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 corporates, and so this thing that I'd been through with City Television. Um, really seemed to be becoming uh, the experience of a lot of people and they were doing it better, bigger uh, and more exciting markets than I've had the uh, opportunities to play in. And I wanted to be part of that. Um, another thing that I, I must say is uh, it was very exciting running, uh, starting running my own business. It's all consuming. I, I lived, breathed um, and slept city television for a couple of years. Um, starting work for Set Square, running an incubator where um, – I was sleeping a little bit better. I was working um, every day with 30 to 40 um, startup businesses um, uh, at the best time when the founders are, are, are uh, most receptive to help, assistance, uh, good counsel, um, and uh, filled with ambition. Um, uh, that, that was a, a real revelation to me, and I found it very energizing. And I must say it's what's energized me over the, the the last part of 20 years is uh, not only just working with myself on my idea, but working with tens, hundreds of others, um, enabling their ideas. Okay, so that, that's a great roll-on into kind of what Set Squared actually does and, and how many people and companies have, have uh, Set Squared helped. Yes, I mean, we've got, um, we've got some impressive stats and, you know, the secret between you and I, Alan, and all your listeners is our, our, our trick is to be standing for a long time. You know, we'll be 18 years old next year. Um, and so we we have worked with over 4,000 high-tech startups since we started. Um, but, of course, we've been going nearly 18 um, years. Um, more, you know, a, 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 a more tangible number, um, a stat is – the, the team, which is about 30 people, uh, distributed over five uh, universities, Bath, Bristol, Exeter, Surrey, and Southampton. We work with 500 member companies of Set Squared at any time. And that's between startup and scale-up businesses, early stage tech businesses. And we provide the, uh, the founders of those businesses. We work for the entrepreneur rather than anyone else, the entrepreneur. Um, we provide them with counsel, coaching, mentoring, uh, to develop business plans for their, 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 their tech businesses, their deep tech businesses, to help them be presentable and succeed in securing investment to uh, take their businesses to the next stage. That's our, that's our niche. Okay. Okay. Um, 
so what sorry one quick question why deep tech um Otherwise, it's it's a it's a it's a it's, it's a really good question and it it's our uh i guess defining characteristic um so excuse me uh, in this environment if I go a little bit university on you, but uh, <laughs> TechSquare is staffed by people like me. All of my team all have uh, had businesses, run businesses, you know, built, sold, crashed businesses. So very entrepreneurial. But we are we are working for universities, research intensive universities, and we have uh, wholly committed ourselves to. Um, their goals um, and the goals of these universities is that their um, their knowledge, which is embedded in their people, their professors and their students, and their research, which perhaps represented by the intellectual property, know-how, and so forth, um, should be uh, valued and valuable to the society that um, funds them. Um, universities benefit from public funding, uh, so it's only right that the the the, uh, the fruits of, of of that investment are deployed for the greater good of the society that um, put them there. And we think that in the technology area, there are great opportunities to achieve that that um, impact uh, through business, particularly startup businesses um, that can uh, take take this research um, or its people and turn it into startups that we help scale up and we'll help turn into big businesses that create high-value jobs, growth in the economy, tax revenue that um, keeps the whole show on the road. So this is the, the set squared model from a university uh, point of view. Why they invest in set squared is that we are uh, a route that allows their know-how, their knowledge, their intellectual property uh, to find a valuable place um, in the society that supports them. Okay. Um, so what's the benefit of uh, the startup coming out of a university? What uh, obviously, there's the help that you give in terms of the counsel, the coaching, the mentoring. Mm. But if you're an entrepreneur um, at university at the moment, or uh, you know you've got an idea, or you're doing some research, what what is the actual benefit of coming out of the, the university? Yeah, well, it's a it's a, a, a very you know a very good point, and there are um, clear benefits. But I must say, set squared, we will provide our um, our service. We'll offer our support to entrepreneurs whether they come out of the universities as students or graduates or uh, from the universities as, uh, as researchers, professors. Uh, but equally, we provide it on exactly the same terms to private entrepreneurs um, who okay. uh, are developing technology businesses um, in, in, you know, in, a, in, a, in our space. Um, and that, that mixed economy between, let's call it the private and the public sector, is a very important characteristic of set squared. The, the benefit of coming out of the university or the benefit of being an entrepreneur um, in our space is that um, technology provides the opportunity to uh, create a unique space, um, a protected space in the market. You know, Peter Thiel in his books... Um, Describes this so beautifully, you know, in a in a in a in a market economy where all things are equal, frictionless, and uh, buyers and sellers can negotiate. Everything will just deteriorate down to close to zero because prices will be beaten down. And so, actually, monopolies, monopolies of intellectual property, of distinctive uh, technology advantage through uh, based on on breakthrough research, 
are what you need to create valuable uh, companies. And of course, universities are brimming with uh, such assets, uh, our, our research, our know-how, our intellectual property. The people that work in universities, those that cluster around them, are rich sources of this, this dispensable intellectual uh, property. Uh, and so the benefit of coming from a university or working closely with a university and the people that are involved in it is that gives you access to these really distinctive assets. Um, and a good entrepreneur can fashion those to distinctive value that helps them to raise money and, more importantly, helps them to create goods, services, products uh, that can make money. Okay. Um, I've got a bit of a, um, a debate question here that um, I don't know how Set Squared get, get involved in this, but um, you talked about IP there, mm. and I often hear how IP is, is, is kind of gobbled up by universities um, or a startup might lose large chunks of equity um, to the university kind of when, it, when it's spinning out. What, what's your verdict on this? Does it happen you know, is is it is it bad for universities that spin out of un sorry startups that spin out of universities? Um, it's uh, I, you know I'm sure it has happened. I'm sure there be there are bad deals uh, as there are are, are good deals. Um, I look at a, uh, a if there were such a thing as a, a classic university um, spin out, um, you know, it's got some distinct characteristics. Uh, you know, first of all, probably the the uh, technology of a successful business that has spun out of the university when it was inside the university was uh, perhaps a research paper or um, some records in a, in a, in a lab logbook, um, some software that was in its earliest um, stage, absolutely pre-commercial, um, created, developed um, within the, the body corporate of, um, of a university. That university, that body corporate, is a registered charity. Um, really important for UK universities to have the independence and the the, uh, the financial status of a of a charity. But it comes with some 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 regulations, some you know some rules to stop that status being abused. Um, and the money that developed that that initial research probably would have come from um, our taxes, you know, uh, from grants from the government, research grants. Fantastic, building the, the knowledge, the, the distinctive and um, world-class research of, of um, UK universities. So how, how do we get um, something that is the promise of a really good idea, some lab notes, some early rough um, potential intellectual property that's been funded by, by public sources embedded in a charity? How do we turn that into something that could... Uh, trade shares on a public market and, and have value uh, that would mean that the jobs, the growth of that company is guaranteed into the future. And that, that journey, that's where a lot of people disagree and the, the, the debate that you've heard of, you know, is it a good deal, is it a bad deal? It's on that, that journey. So um, universities uh, will invest resources, money, people to develop those crude raw ideas into something that is recognizable as valuable by very, very brave early stage investors. Um, and uh, that, that, that's money that could be spent on libraries or elsewhere in the university. So that needs to be compensated somehow in the system. Uh, the business um, would be spun out and set into a private company that um, attracts investment. It's important for the university that uh, there's enough 
attraction in the intellectual property in that business um, that other investors would value it and invest in it. So there is a, a motive to do the right thing by the company um, uh, at the, at the, at the, on the, as far as the university is concerned. They get rewarded for uh, creating spin-out businesses, not just in commercial terms, for the value of the shares, but also in the impact that business uh, creates uh, for society. The government reward universities um, for for that kind of behaviour, um, but yeah. but but you know the research the researchers that developed the original idea still work in the universities. They need to be able to um, use the ideas they originally had to develop further research. So um, you know the 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 background intellectual property may still need to be retained by the university. The application, the foreground IP, could be put in business. Uh, allowed to have value to raise more money. So there's another area of tension there that has just to be fairly uh, uh, fairly uh, negotiated. Um, and so on and so on. So the um, it's, a, it's a very complex uh, process um, with, uh, with uh, the requirements of the university being distinctive as a charity, as a research organisation, but also as an organisation that's got an obligation to get the ideas out there and utilise to great value by society. Um, and uh, for the business owner, for the entrepreneur, um, they need to develop deep value in the business so they can raise more money. Um, but they are accessing state-funded research at a price, uh, which uh, is often, those early um, valuations, is often a very, very good price. Okay. Um, thanks very much for kind of clearing that up a lot more. I'm not... Um... It's heard it in, in such detail as that, and it's it's good to hear because often you do hear the horror stories over the positives. Oh there. yeah, That's I don't good. deny it. You know, there's uh, um, you know whenever there's negotiation, <laughs> you get two people negotiating. There's always three versions of the truth. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so let's go back to set squared. Um, a bit more focus. Um, just a quick question: is 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 the company only aimed at entrepreneurs or do you do any kind of help and mentoring with investors as well or get investors involved? Uh, look, that's uh, that's a, a, a really um, good question to open up that, that debate uh, for us. Um, actually, uh, and by the way, Set Squared is a, is a partnership with the universities. We're not incorporated um, just yet. Uh, and our, yeah. our model is that we're a membership model. Um, so our members are the uh, are the entrepreneurs, the, the, the startup businesses. So we there we're there to service them, um, and uh, so we don't provide the depth of uh, mentoring um, to investors that we would provide as a service to our members. That's for, you know for sure. However. Um, when you work with 500 businesses a year across Set Squared, 4,000 over uh, the last uh, 17 or 18 years, the team does develop great uh, insights into uh, uh, invest, investing, uh, what is successful, what's less successful for um, investors and their approach, uh, you know, for different kinds of investment and so forth. Um, and you know, Set Squared is a great big network, so we get lots of opportunities to share and discuss these insights with investors because it's in our interest to have um, ever more sophisticated, better uh, educated, more insightful uh, investors because they provide the lifeblood of our customers, which are the startups. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Well, I'd, I'd like to think that maybe we could help you in some way of 
of uh, introducing you and help, helping with that education of the no, investors. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, um, what are the future plans of Set Squared then? So, so at, the, at current, you're you're in partnership with um, five universities, and you've helped so many different um, so many different entrepreneurs and and companies um, raise finance. Um, what what are the futures? What are the future well? It's uh, it's very exciting. Uh, it's uh, the 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 announcement uh, that we've held on to our global number one. Uh, status uh, now since 2015, um, just really confirms um, uh, our commitment to this, this mission uh, for, for Set Squared. Um, and, um, you know, with, with the power that uh, an accolade like, uh, like the UBI Global uh, Award uh, gives us power of access to, uh, uh, to people and opportunities, um, we're we're going to build on 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 our story. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to create a membership model for ourselves and uh, recruit lots more universities, but it does mean that we're going to spread set squared services across the south of England, which we see as our our natural economy, our natural uh, market, if you like, you know, to the to the to the west of west of London and and the south of Oxford, and uh, we've got great concentration strength in our five. Um, business incubation centres in Bath, Bristol, uh, Exeter, and in Guildford in, in Surrey. Um, but we've been uh, working with uh, with local authorities, local enterprise partnerships, uh, agencies uh, like the Catapults, UK Space Agency, uh, and so forth, to, to provide Set Squared as a service um, in the areas that are uh, outside of our, our towns and cities to ensure that uh, tech entrepreneurs um, in these areas have access to our services and, and importantly our investor networks. Um, so uh, we've got big plans um, in in that area, and uh, you know I want to to, to ensure that uh, no entrepreneur in the south of England, um, from what I call sea to shiny sea, so from the English Channel to the Bristol Wash, uh, is ever more than half an hour's drive from a uh, a set squared hub or a set squared entrepreneur in residence or a set squared centre where he or she. Um, can get the help, the support, the encouragement to build their business. Um, I think that's what we owe to our, you know, our neighbourhood, our region, um, and I'm determined to do that. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, we we are a membership organisation for um, our entrepreneurs, but we see a great opportunity in um, helping uh, with investment and creating a stronger uh, investment uh, sector. Um, for our our core members, and so that's taking us into the early stages of managing funds. So we have a have a very interesting project with Innovate UK called the Regional Angel uh, Investment Accelerator, uh, in partnership with UK Business Angel uh, Association um, and uh, seven uh, business angel networks. Um, this allows us to make Innovate UK grants to businesses uh, as part of a co-investment package with business angels. So it's not our money. We're, we're managing uh, Innovate UK's money, but we're doing uh, what I've always dreamed of is bringing public sector um, funding for innovation alongside private sector uh, investment in innovation in businesses that, that we want to back. Um, and we're learning an awful lot there, and that's giving us an appetite, um, still early days, but an appetite to um, develop 
um, direct access to funding for innovation companies uh, under Set Squared's name. Uh, so that will be uh, another part uh, of the future. Um, and then, you know, finally, we've got, um, depending on your point of view, a national crisis or a national um, uh, international opportunity emerging with Brexit. Um, and I want my organisation to be prepared to make the very best for our members out of uh, that as it happens and how it falls out. Um, and, you know, there's a number of implications for, for Set Square out of uh, the different Brexit scenarios. We won't go through all the scenarios, but we need to be uh, responsive, nimble, and, you know, quite visionary in our thinking um, to to make the very best out of whatever circumstances history put on our lap. No, no, I completely agree. And that's obviously one of the biggest challenges that you that we will all face um, in the coming, coming months and years. Um, the, you talked about your members and your existing members. Um, let's just talk about someone potentially wanting to become a member. So what advice would you give to um, a, a, an entrepreneur or someone with an idea or someone in a lab that thinks that you know they could commercialise their, their idea or their research? And what advice would you give them to set up a, a, a startup and, and obviously... Obviously, they can. I presume they can reach out and speak to you, and we'll put that in the show notes. But what advice? Yeah, would you give I, I mean, it would be you know, reach out and speak to to me, to colleagues at, at Setsweb. But it's reach out and, and and speak speak to people. Um, and uh, yeah, there, there is a great British disease around secrecy when when uh, one thinks that they've got a world beating idea. Um, and all ideas are absolutely world beating until. Um, until you share them with somebody else and get some, you know, some uh, positively critical feedback on them. So uh, those early stages where you're you're, you're, you're testing testing your thinking uh, uh, on other people and crit- critically other people who aren't just like you. Um, so getting that diversity uh, of feedback around you, I think, is important. And confidentiality um, really can be managed. We um, we we run a lot of pre-membership. Uh, workshops uh, at Set Squared, entrepreneurs programs uh, for entrepreneurs not connected with the university at all. Um, I run these up and down uh, the south of, uh, of England. Uh, all information is uh, regularly on our, our website. Also for students, we have a student entrepreneur program. For researchers, we have a researcher to innovator program. And all of these are uh, opportunities for uh, individuals to try and express their their great idea and test it with other people in a, in a relatively safe, uh, a safe environment, but not an unchallenging environment in order to improve that idea. And I, I think that that essence of stepping up, testing, testing your idea and testing yourself, being able to assimilate the feedback and then trying again is, is uh, a feature of set squares DNA. Uh, we do it very well. Uh, and I think that our, um, our, the companies that go on to become members of Set Square, they, they use that to great effect um, in the future. They tend to be, I think, by nature, uh, open, trusting. I mean, they're 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 astute, they're cute um, in managing their uh, their trade secrets and so forth. But uh, they make the most of their environment, um, uh, and I think that that early kind of preparation for Set Square membership uh, is very much part of of, of that. Uh, I won't call it training, that the insight that we we we, we give them. 
Do, do you have any um, examples of Set Squared members or uh, past members that you can talk about just quickly? I, there's a, a there, yeah, I mean, the, the, the or, business that or, um, that really uh, comes to mind, uh, I guess, illustrates this is uh, this guy called Harry, that uh, and he um, he built a business called Xylo, uh, which is uh, spun out of uh, Bristol University. Um, so I think he was a PhD student, graduated with his PhD. Um, and um, gosh, I have to check what the exit was, but it was a, a triple triple digit millions um, in the in the deal that he did to exit um, on Xylo. So a fantastic hit for a diabetes uh, testing um, solution. If I rewind, um, when we first met um, Harry, he was a member of our um, uh, of one of our kind of pre-membership uh, uh, programs, a program called iCure, uh, where you're getting uh, PhD students to test their ideas. The, the premise of iCure is that um, uh, they would pitch their, their, their idea to 100 customers, people, um, in an intensive uh, three- to six-month period, and simulate that feedback and, and uh, use it to inform their um their, their modeling of the business, you know, it's a real classic lean startup um, approach uh, to things. And I, I remember uh, seeing some some of Harry's work, and, and the premise at that time was that he had this this technology, and the uh, you know, quite rightly identified um, that diabetes, the medical sector, the the barriers to entry for uh, literally a one person pre startup were were prohibitive. Um, but he identified a, a smaller uh, but a more uh, easy-to-enter market with in the brewing industry who, in that sector, the requirement for sugar levels in um, the brewing process was um, a very pressing um, demand, and his solution would have given them a, you know, a, a massive advantage in, in that process. And so he was developing his idea around that. Um, so, you know, not coming with an agenda, listening to what customers want, what multiple customers grouped in markets or market segments once was, uh, I think he was using that program to, to his best advantage. He was always destined for great things, uh, talented, talented entrepreneur, um, but he subsequently uh, veered the, the opportunity back to the biggest market, which is for diabetes testing. Uh, he built Xylo. Uh, he's done the most amazing um, uh, deal with a with a with a multinational on that, and um, has done uh, extraordinarily well out of that. Um, and fantastically, he's um, even gone on to found his own incubator called Unit DX, which is based in Bristol, which he's sharing very very generously. His insights in you know prospecting uh, opportunities, listening carefully to customers aggregated together as market demand with uh, with a whole bunch of new startups. So great business, great entrepreneur. Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so we've heard quite a lot, and, and that's a big success story of an entrepreneur idea, and we've heard your own entrepreneurs. Let's just close up on what does a future hold for yourself? Have you been tempted back into the entrepreneurial life, or, or what, um, what, yeah, what are I, you thinking? I, I, I must say, I, I, I did think that would be... Uh, what I would do at SetSquare. Um, I, I joined on a, an 11-month contract in that those uh, really tumultuous times in telecommunications back in 2003. I thought, oh, you know, hey, what a great way to meet uh, meet some companies and uh, maybe I could find uh, uh, my future opportunity 
um, doing this. But I, I must say that the uh, the sector that 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 edge, the edge between uh, universities, uh, startup businesses, uh, global markets for tech-based solutions is just so compelling, and I, I love doing it at scale. I mean, the the, um, the power that we have uh, as set square representing the interests of you know, 500 members at any one time, 4,000 businesses since we started, um, I find very energizing. Um, and so um, I don't think uh, founding or working for a, a startup is, is quite in my destiny uh, yet. Uh, what is in my destiny is to build uh, a set squared system that will, uh, I won't say outlive me, but will carry on after I, uh, I'm, I'm too knackered and uh, go, you know, spend time um, in the garden or whatever whatever one does. Um, so I'm, I'm very committed to, to building a, a resilient system that uh, means that when people, you know, who were like me when I was founding my businesses, when they come out, they're not learning just from uh, by making mistakes, trial and error. Uh, they'll do that anyway, but they, they come into a into a positive, uh, nurturing uh, environment um, with experienced people who can help them and, and boost their opportunities. I, if I could do that, I'd be very, very happy, um, uh, probably happier than uh, leading one company. Uh, I, I think that just sounds absolutely spot on. And it, it shows with this, you know, you've been with Set Squared for uh, around 16 years now. And, and obviously you and your team um, have supported over three and a half thousand early stage tech companies within within the UK. And that's just testament to to, to Set Squared and yourselves and, and everyone that's worked there. Well, Simon, it, it's been absolutely fantastic. And, and to hear uh, everything that Set Squared is doing um, for, what has it been, over three and a half thousand early stage tech entrepreneurs and, and how much incredible work and, and, and mentoring and coaching you've done, you and your team, obviously, is, is just is just fascinating. So it's, it's been extremely insightful and My engaging. Pleasure, and thank you very much. Thank you.